Good evening and welcome. <clears throat> if you're out there, feel free to say hello in the chat. Tonight, we might make this shorter than usual. We'll see. <clears throat> Tonight we were, you might say, inspired to make a very simple topic for tonight's live stream. This question of just what is peace? Just what is joy? Just what is happiness? And how is it possible or is it possible to achieve in the midst of hell, in the midst of this Kali Yuga that we find ourselves in? in the midst of very real changes, very real assaults on our freedom, on our bodies, our physical vessels are under attack. And they are under attack by organizations, by nations and offices which supposedly represent those nations and the people of those nations, so-called democratic institutions. And they are assaulting this humanity, attacking it, dismantling it, undermining it, in no uncertain terms, corrupting it. We have spoken in the past how this is all part and parcel of the Kali Yuga. This is all par for the course for the Kali Yuga, for the death of a humanity. And that is what we are facing, the death of this humanity. But without understanding, we should also expand our understanding to envelop notions of hell itself, hell on earth. It may upset the mind, it may trouble the heart to hear that we have not yet seen the worst. There is worse yet to come. And in many ways, what is happening with the jab situation, we have to be careful how we use our words lest the powers that be that operate these platforms lest their artificial intelligence recognize what it is we are speaking of and decide they it is in their best interest to remove this content from their platform so we may have to speak in mild code 
but mild code. It has been made clear to us that the anomalies which are being discovered within the so-called medicine that the powers that be are recommending that the populace allow to be administered unto it and not just recommending but outright coercing using social blackmail as their modus operandi to encourage the masses to receive this medicine this preventative measure we don't know if you are aware of some of the discoveries that individuals professionals physicians lab technicians and others with access with access to the contents of said remedy they have been looking at said remedy under a microscope and discovering anomalies mechanical metallic anomalies which are self-organizing and forming what appear to be probe-like nanobots. These are not organic in nature. This is not an organic anomaly. No matter what it may appear in these images, these anomalies are built from very, very small nanoparticles and there is there are videos available which you can find on BitChute and rumble and other places you can do research into this for yourself but this idea was planted in the collective consciousness of this humanity way back in the 90s in in Star Trek the next generation with the advent of the Borg and the Borg hive mind here is a uh, one of these entities that that's and you can see the the what it's constituted from and these dark their their dark round sphere spherical metallic anomalies that organize themselves in geometric patterns and shapes and then they they form these larger entities the concept of the nanobot or the the nanoprobe that gets injected into an unsuspecting humanoid race and that race becomes borg these nanobots take over the functions but more importantly they take over the psyche 
And <clears throat> Rudolf Steiner, um, the rather famous esotericist from the 20th century, foretold, prophesized that a vaccine would be invented, which caused individuals to lose their connection with their innermost, to lose the capacity, to make, to lose the, their capacity for consciousness, to make them more zombie-like, more machine-like, more mechanical. And while we did not make the nanobot connection, even we foretold of the Black Lodge's the Black Lodge's endgame. Several years back, when we were still just in the formative stages of beginning our work, or these this aspect of our work. And we wrote this blog article called Transcending Transhumanism. This was our response to the documentary film Transcendent Man, by, uh, which is about Raymond Kurzweil, who is the preeminent transhumanist. He is on the he is the preeminent transhumanist and the preeminent cybernetic engineer on the board of Google Alphabet. He's the one who develops Google Glass and all of their technology, human cybernetic technologies, human cyborg technologies. And we foretold that transhumanism is actually the end game of the Black Lodge to make this humanity machine-like because machines are the closest thing we have to egos, artificial intelligence. I mean, and we, and this is something that science fiction has been revealing for decades. Because whether it's the Terminator or the Matrix, Science fiction has been exploring the fact that humanity, humanity's destiny seems to be to end up being enslaved by the machines. And machines are just physical three-dimensional manifestations of ego. Ego which thinks in absolutes. <clears throat> yes and no, ones and zeros. It's mechanical, it's reactive. Our egos are reactive and our egos are single-minded. They have a nature and they follow that nature. Their nature is like a program and they follow that program. So fear, fears. Lust, lusts. Envy, envies. All egos are simultaneously nouns and verbs. When we say it is what it is, an ego not only is what it is, it does what it is. Egos cannot do anything else any more than 
you can install a word processor on your computer and then expect it to play Pac-Man. Can't happen. A word processor is a word processor. A calculator is a calculator. A calculator, you cannot turn a calculator into a Game Boy. You cannot turn a word processor into a graphics program or a spreadsheet program. Fear fears, lust lusts. These are the mechanical aspects of nature. These lower vibrational aspects, which are more simple, conscious in their own way, but at their own level, like all mechanical nature, like all of the universe, because everything is God. But designed that way specifically to test, tempt, <clears throat> and challenge us to be the adversary, to play the role of adversary. Well, in any game, the adversary longs to win. And during the Kali Yuga, during the Iron Age of a humanity, the Black Lodge rules. It's part of the part of the law of entropy because they have to rule. Why? Why do they have to rule? Because it's their job to destroy the humanity. Mechanical nature will destroy humanity. And so, as we've said before, before you can destroy a humanity physically, you seek to undermine and weaken its foundations which are metaphysical. So that's why we see everything is under attack, history, tradition, religion, and everything has been co-opted and degenerated and corrupted. So science is, materialist science is the Antichrist. That's, that's what Master Samael said, is that materialist science is the Antichrist. And if you listen to what the mainstream media is saying these days, just follow the science, follow the science and get the jab in your arm, well, you know, you know that he was right. And so was Rudolf Steiner. And the evidence, the evidence is now available to us, it's before our very eyes. Once you see these anomalies, there is no, unless one chooses to ignore the facts, one cannot ignore the evidence, unless one chooses to. So, in many ways, things are not getting better and things won't get any better. We had to cancel a couple of these live streams last week and the week before perhaps and we may have to do so again. 
death comes to us all. Death is a part of life. None of us know when death is going to come knocking on our door or on the doors of those we love, family members, close friends, colleagues, lifelong acquaintances, pets. Death is unavoidable. What is that saying? There are only two certainties in life, death and taxes. Yes, well, death is certain. And just as sure as it is certain for you and I and everyone we know, death is certain for this humanity. And the forces of mechanical nature are going about seeing to that process. And that process creates a kind of hell, a kind of hell on earth. And we are witnessing that all around us. And if we observe ourselves, we may be witnessing that within us, our own individual psychological hell. We saw, we don't generally watch the news, but for whatever reason this week was yesterday, we turned on the BBC and they had the gall to say that there is a humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan, the people are starving and that Afghan families are selling their children to buy food. They had the gall to say this. Do you know anyone who would be capable of selling their child to fill their belly? We don't. Because no such person exists. And certainly no such Muslim exists. No such fervent, devoted religious individual, believer in God, believer in the Prophet Muhammad, is going to sell their child to fill their belly. Such individuals do not exist. Such events do not exist. And yet this was the headline that led on the BBC World News. These are the times that we're living in, the times of confusion, the times of lies, of conflation, of pure propaganda, just spreading fear and spreading notions of chaos and basically painting an image of hell in the minds and the hearts of the world. inventing a completely erroneous so plague, so-called pandemic, which by any accounts 
is little more than seasonal flu, little more than simply another variant in seasonal flu. And the numbers prove that out. If you look at the actual numbers, the numbers don't lie. And yet it's being made out to be this plague for which everyone must go and receive these injections, injections of these entities, whatever these entities are, these self-organizing entities, because they only appear in the blood. They don't, they're not in the serum. They're not in the actual vial that gets injected. If you observe what happens in the vial under a particular uh, microscope, under particular conditions, you will see these little, I, we believe the, the, the compound, the, 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 they're made out of graphene, where we believe that that's, that's what the material they're made out of. These little balls will start self-organizing. You can, you can watch them doing this under a microscope. And then when people take samples from, from those who have had the injection and look at their blood, they see these kinds of entities, these, these kinds of structures that have self-organized and assembled themselves in the blood after they receive the injection. Oh, yes, and they're referring to these as, as, as hydras because that's what they look like. That's what they seem to be um, structured as. And it's interesting that that's the case because if you wanna talk about other things that have been planted in the minds of humanity, you know that the very popular Marvel movies, the Captain America series in particular, features the villains there called Hydra. And they are the ones who covertly infiltrate and take over shield from within to the point where there was even a big controversy when um, Captain America revealed himself in the comic books revealed himself to be a secret double agent for Hydra and there was a huge controversy around that in any case, in the midst of all this, we are charged with the task, spiritual, the esoteric task, of seeking peace and joy and happiness. How does one go about achieving that? When one looks out in the world and one sees oneself assaulted on all sides by the forces of darkness, when one's freedom is being taken away. Because here in Canada, I cannot go to a restaurant. I cannot go to a movie theater. I cannot go to any enclosed non-essential service because I don't have my papers. I don't have my vaxport. 
I cannot prove that I have been inoculated with the Hydra serum. Therefore, I am not one of the hive. I'm not one of the collective. Again, to go back to Star Trek terminology. So, I am socially now an outcast. I am to be rejected and ejected. And what's the word? Exiled. Excommunicated. Because that's what the word means, right? Excommunicated. Communicated or to be in commune to commune with the community, to be excommunicated is to be excluded from the community. An outcast. Well, and this is only the beginning. In Australia, they're building camps. Now, in Australia, they also passed laws that makes it illegal for any journalist to export news from Australia. That's why you don't hear any news from Australia anymore. Because they passed a law in Parliament making it illegal to, to spread news around the world of domestic news of what's happening in Australia. Why would they pass a law like that? But they are building camps, COVID camps. We're, we haven't even touched the surface yet of what's coming. But again, it is what it is. It's part of the Kali Yuga. This is what all civilizations go through. when they face their destruction, when they face their death, they are attacked from all sides. All right, so Catherine Thompson says, what we are saying about Australia is only partially true, so please enlighten us what part of what we are saying is untrue? And uh, it's... <laughs> we. Uh, <laughs> Benjamin says COVID stands for certification, Certificate of Vaccination ID. Certainly seems to fit and you know what they say if the shoe fits yes they are building camp covid they have not passed any law about charity no they have they have they have in the uh, federal legislature they have passed laws uh, governing journalists and what they can and cannot reveal about domestic policy and domestic activity in Australia, this has been this has passed in part in their parliament. Go and look it up. 
go and you can go and do the, uh, the although it's going to be it's going to be hard for you to find admittedly but it's there it's it's uh it's that's been passed and again you have to ask yourself why would they go why would they go to such measures why would they take such measures and why would they build camps so you have so you're saying that the information that we have is incorrect. So, so the information that we have is incorrect. So the information that we have about the parliamentary activity and the debates and everything which took that well, hardly any debates which took uh, place over that legislation are all incorrect. So if it's a technicality or details, we can't get into that here, right? This is not the time or place for that. You can contact us separately and then we can, we can hash out if there's any details, but the general, the general activity the general overview is they're preparing for something big in Australia and they don't want the rest of the world to know what they're what they're doing it's as simple as that and if there are details around that 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 are that are sketchy or you have other information about those details feel free to share with that uh, to share that with us uh, through messenger through Facebook through other means through email uh, but we're not going to spend the rest of this live stream debating this because that's not the point of this live stream. The point of this live stream is regardless of what the details are, one cannot deny that we are in the Kali Yuga and one cannot deny the undermining and the dismantling and the destruction of human humanity is imminent. And that this humanity is being dismantled metaphysically with its, its history, its culture, its religions, its traditions, even the family unit, even gender is under uh, is under assault. Gender itself, traditional gender roles, traditional values, language, it's all under assault. And now physically, the, the so-called plague, which has been beset upon humanity and the media fervor and the governments and everything else around it is creating the impetus for an entire system of enslavement and a clamping down on the freedoms. And many, 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 many people are on board. Many, many people who are already on the side of, yeah, everyone who hasn't gotten the jab, yeah, they all need to be put in camps. There are many, many people that already think that way because they are gripped by fear. Well, you can be wary of anyone making sweeping statements, but the statements are factual. Right? You can say the devil's in the details, but why give the devil his due? We are in the Kali Yuga. Right? So so this, this thing about being weary, why are you afraid of the sweeping statement if the statement is true? Right? This is your intellect and your fear which is gripping onto some detail and saying, well, now I got to raise my concerns here because there's a detail, but we're not talking about details here. We're talking about the facts 
and we're talking about the overview, that we are in the Kali Yuga, and we're talking about how does one find peace and joy and happiness amidst that. And it's not nitpicking, it's not nitpicking details. Well, you can say that you don't have fear, but then why do you say I have to be weary of people making sweeping statements? To be weary is to be afraid. But we're glad you you brought up your um, your uh, objection. You're, we're glad you brought up your clarification because this is precisely the point of tonight's live stream. All right, okay, we're not going to get into semantic arguments with you. Um, to be able to have peace especially when you're in the middle of hell. And this is hell. This is hell. We are in hell. Everything that humanity tries to do, everything that humanity tries to do from an ego standpoint to make this not a hell puts us more and deeper into hell. Comfort and security, for example. Material wealth and prosperity. Entertainments of every kind. Escapism. All of this, all of this pulls the consciousness further away from its true self and out into hell, deeper into hell, digs, digs itself deeper into hell. That's what this humanity is doing. It's, every, it's doubling down on everything that causes its suffering, because it's doubling down on ego in every way, shape, and form. Well, good, we can agree on that. And this, lamentably, is what it is, and it's the way it must be for this humanity at this time, at this place. There's no other option because we live in a universe of cause and effect. We live in a universe of karma. And... It is what it is. And being able to sit with that, to be with that, to accept that is the beginning of peace. We have a choice to change. We can connect with consciousness. It is eternal. We have that choice as individuals. Nurul. Or is it Nurul Ain? Well, I'm sorry if we mispronounce that. But we have that choice as individuals 
to change, but only if we do the work. In a universe of cause and effect, if someone is completely overrun with egos, if someone is asleep, they cannot choose to awaken. If you are asleep, you cannot choose to awaken. Well, Nurul Ain, that's a beautiful name, and its meaning is equally beautiful. And beautiful also is the truth. And the truth is we cannot choose to awaken. This humanity cannot snap its fingers and change. Anyone who has ever tried to change knows this. Anyone who has ever tried to kick a habit, get rid of a, uh, overcome some sort of defect or vice, laziness, procrastination, personality quirk, addiction. We all know if we've, any, anyone who has ever tried to change knows that you can't just snap your fingers and make it happen. It's That's not how it works. Certainly someone who, let's say, is an alcoholic, they can stop drinking. They can choose to stop drinking. But that's not the end of their addiction. One cannot choose to no longer be in hell. One must make a choice to say, I choose to liberate myself from hell. But one cannot choose to not be in hell and just, that's it. All of a sudden you're in heaven. That's not how that works. That's what, that's what all of the world religions, well, not all of them, but certainly Christianity says. All you got to do is believe in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, then you will be saved. But that's not how it works. Belief is nothing. You can believe in Santa Claus. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make Santa Claus real. And it's never going to make Santa Claus real. Superstition and and thinking and believing these are all tricks of the of the ego mind to keep us trapped in hell even as we believe ourselves to be saved and that's why so many people in this world live in hell but they 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 they're ignorant of that fact they're in hell but they believe that they're saved they believe that they're in heaven or that they've created a little heaven on earth so they live in their little suburb in the United States and they go to church on Sundays and they go to their church groups and they watch their Fox News and they, you know, they collect their guns and they go hunting and they do all these. And they think that they have their little he uh, heaven on earth and that when they die that Jesus will save them because they believe in Jesus. But we're slightly getting off topic.
Roy says, to change is to be in struggle, but when you pass that test, you will be in peace. You will, you will be in peace. Is peace a destination? Is peace a goal? Can you find peace? Can you arrive at peace? What is peace? Can somebody give you peace? Can I give you peace? And if I cannot give you peace, is it possible for you to receive it? And if I cannot give it to you and you cannot receive it, how do you find it? Or do you create it? Well, what is it? What is it made out of that you might create it? You said a key word. You said struggle. And with struggle comes suffering. Those two are not interchangeable, they're not synonymous, but they're related. Because there's a struggle to overcome suffering. And we can suffer as we struggle. What if peace is always there? What if peace is our true nature? Because let's face it, who struggles? We struggle. We, this vessel, this vehicle, this character in this MMORPG called life. You've heard us say that many, many, many times because it's true. This virtual existence, this, this thing that we identify with as reality, as being real, this, this, this physicality, this, this... Yes, we struggle. We suffer. But at any moment, in any moment, we can go in, within and connect and be peace. Because peace is our true nature, as is joy, as is happiness as is love. But we cannot choose to be these things, but we can be these things. What we choose is to let go of our identifications and attachments to all that is not these things.
And this is the struggle. This is the test. How many times have you heard us say, to be or not to be? Yeah. It's, uh, it's very much, it's very much like that, Roy. And you know, if you're going to mention that, you know, you're, you're, you're asking us to, uh, to dig into, whoops, that's not what we wanted to do. There we go. Yes, it's as Mufasa said. You have forgotten who you are. And so you have forgotten me. Remember who you are. And this is not just some trite, poetic, metaphysical statement. There is something very, very practical being conveyed here. And we can make that, we can try to make that as big as we can. But if anybody wants to see this, this is, we've posted this many times on Facebook and we can certainly post it again. Oh yes, and so that we get into different uh, expressions of that. The tree of life is in everything. It's in you. It's in me. This is who we are. And at the very top is the upper trinity, and that's the Christ, our innermost intimate Christ, which we access through our innermost being, who is our inner Atman, our Father. Our Atman is at the head of our lower monad, our, our lower trinity, which is the monad, which is Atman, Buddhi, which is the consciousness. And then willpower, Telema, the causal body. Everything down here, everything down here is just our physical body, our personality, our emotions. These are what's called the four bodies of sin. Everything from the fifth dimension down. And this is where we struggle, and this is where we suffer. And of course in hell, in Klipoth, because this is where our egos are. And they cause our mind and our heart and our body and our vital energy to remain lunar and we've talked about this and so we suffer and we struggle because we are trapped in these lunar bodies and the lunar mechanicity 
of the egos cause us to react mechanically to the stimuli, to the events of the world. So we react with frustration, with anger, with fear. To be able to allow that which must happen, happen, even if that event, those circumstances strike us as tragic, cataclysmic, is the epitome of finding peace within oneself. To be, to be or not to be, that is the question. If we are reacting, we are not being, we are reacting. We are not meant to be human reactings. We are not meant to be human doings. We are not meant to be human fixings. We are meant to be human beings. And you've heard us say this before. When the clever egoic mind reacts to that and says, "What? but how am I supposed to get anything done? The answer is be a human being done. When we allow our innermost Atman, our true self, our being, to work through us, we respond to the impulses of our innermost being, the being impulse to act, then we, we only can access that impulse when we are being in the moment. We are paying attention to ourselves, observing ourselves, and relaxed. Not reacting, not getting caught up in the, the what's getting triggered in our mind, saying, oh no, but that's not exactly right. For example, to relax, to allow, and to be flexible, like a palm tree. You've probably heard this many times. And Bruce Lee, for example, when he talks about water, to be like water, because water can flow or water can crash. But water is flexible. Water can flow, and water goes with the flow. And it doesn't mean to be unprincipled. Then it doesn't mean to abandon one's principles or one's anchor and go with anything anybody says. No, that's not what we're talking about here. But it also means allowing what needs to happen, happen. We can be anchored. We can, just like a palm tree is anchored in the middle of the typhoon in the middle of the hurricane, the palm tree is there. The palm tree is anchored. The palm tree is not going anywhere. But the palm tree bends and sways in that hurricane 
the palm tree doesn't abandon its roots. The palm tree is soundly planted in its roots. The palm tree doesn't abandon its integrity. The palm tree doesn't become something else. But it knows how to be in the storm. It knows how to be a palm tree. It is what it is. A palm tree. And when the storm rages around us, do we dance with it? Or do we react against it? Do we react out of fear or out of any other emotion, any other ego? Or do we learn how to just respond? Respond to it by being with it. Not giving into it, not indulging it, but being with it. And one can find, when one practices this, that one can experience a kind of equanimity, a kind of peace in that. And when one finds a peace with being with it, it's the first step. to then finding the joy and finding the happiness of the moment. Even amidst the storm, even amidst the so-called tragedy and the so-called calamity and the so-called hell that we find ourselves in. And this is very difficult for the mind to, to wrap itself around. But there are very, very good examples practical examples of this that we can tap into that we can use to help us to guide us one of these examples well we'll get into the examples in the minute in a minute sea cat wrote a rather lengthy comment and she says complete acceptance of everything we are everything others are Acceptance of all circumstances that come our, our way. Trusting the universe. Finding joy in the smallest of things. I am more at peace now with literally almost no material possession. Gratefulness for just the breath in my lungs is where I'm at. I've gone through much sufferings to get here. I know there will be even more suffering and pain of loss in my life. But I appreciate this life despite knowing this. And she concludes, joy in every precise moment, just to be alive. We knew to stop and to read that when we did, because it's precisely where we were heading. And how often do we stop 
and consider how lucky we are, how blessed are we to be here now in the Kali Yuga of this humanity? How often do you stop and ask yourself that and meditate on the raging storm and all the suffering that has befallen this humanity and all the hardship and difficulty in your own life? How often do you stop and be grateful for it? for the suffering, for the hardship. If I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, from my own account, not often enough. I don't thank my Divine Mother enough for the opportunity that has been given to me. This task that we are here performing, it is a great honor and a privilege. And all of the struggle and the difficulty and the challenge and the suffering that goes with it is part of that privilege and part of that honor. I don't show nearly enough gratification because it's really easy to get caught up in the suffering and the struggle of it. I mean, let's be honest. It's not easy But if it was easy, it wouldn't be worth doing. If it was easy, it wouldn't be worth being. Being is not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. And yet, the more you practice it, the easier it gets. In some ways, the more difficult it gets. But the more difficult it gets, the easier it gets to be amidst the difficulty. And that's something that's paradoxical to the mind, possibly, but to the experience, to the consciousness, to anyone who has ever practiced anything, and then anyone who has ever mastered anything knows that the difficulty increases, but our ability to be with the difficulty also increases, which makes it easier to be in ever more challenge. That's what mastery is. It is worthwhile to consider how many beings are here now members of this humanity 
reincarnated on this planet who are not members of this planet, who are not members of this humanity. There are countless beings from countless humanities across the whole of the galaxy, if not the universe, who are present here and a part of this humanity, helping and doing their best to be. Many of them have come to take advantage of the tremendous karma which this humanity is facing in order for them to pay some of the karma that they that they owe they they come and reincarnated and they entangled their their karma with the karma of this planet and the karma of this humanity and by living here a life and serving this humanity in the kali yuga they are able to pay some of the karma that they owe but there are many other beings who have come out of the goodness of their heart and out of just sheer compassion but also the kali yuga is a singular opportunity which only comes around at the end of a humanity at the death of a humanity it is an opportunity and all of those beings who are here now taking advantage of that opportunity if they are awake if they are aware of themselves who they are and why they're here are grateful for that opportunity because we can we don't pretend to know the exact process by which someone from a different humanity reincarnates on a different planet we cannot share with you the details of that of how that process takes place but we do know that there is some request involved one does not simply reincarnate on a different planet in a different solar system, in a different part of the galaxy, without making a request to the Logos and making an arrangement with the Lords of Karma. Again, the specifics of that process it might be different for each monad. One of the reasons why we're not going to dwell on it and not going to get into that is because none of us are in that position right now we might be a monad who went through that process to get here but we're here now and what we're here now what we have to focus on here now is not that process of how we got here what we're here now is the process of how do we how do we get back how do we be how do we find peace joy happiness within in order to endure that which is happening now and that which is yet to happen. Because things are only going to get worse. 
things for this humanity are only going to become more dire, more intense. We are going to be sunk deeper into hell. And are we going to be able to be and are we going to be able to take advantage of those deeper levels of hell as in meditation we, we don't get very far if we're agitated we won't get very far if we're angry if we're frustrated if we're envious or if we're lustful, if we're desirous, if we want comfort and security, if we wish for things to be the way they were or the way we want them to be, or the way we imagine them to be, we're not gonna get very far. So recognizing how many beings have chosen to be here now. How many beings have accepted various missions, various tasks, which are life's works? It should give us pause and remind us, yes, if all of they, if all of them chose to be here, they chose this place and this time and this suffering, then perhaps so did I. Perhaps. My monad also chose this time and this place and this body and this face and these medical problems and these personality quirks. Perhaps not the egos, but in a way we did choose those as well because the egos that we have are our karma for past mistakes. And if we did, and if we did reincarnate and didn't just return, then we did choose which egos we are here to work on. So, from that point of view, we should always be in a place of gratitude, not just for the air in our lungs, the food on our plate the roof over our head and all the typical things that one might normally be grateful for. Yes, we can always look and say, well, things could be worse, so I'm grateful for what I have. Of course, that goes without saying. But we're talking about being grateful for all the things that the average person would think that you're insane to be grateful for. All of the suffering, all of the struggle, all of the hardship. You've all heard the expression, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. 
this humanity is about to go through a process whereby it will be destroyed. And it is our opportunity during this time to transform ourselves. And the process, the key to that transformation is that we are not transforming ourselves to arrive at peace. Peace is the way by which we achieve that transformation. Peace, joy, and happiness are not a destination. They're not a gift. They're not a reward. They're not a goal. They're not a target. They're, they're, they're none of those things. They are a state of being. And there is no there is no limit and there is no end there is no beginning and there is no end to them there are levels and levels and levels and levels and levels so beginning here and now we connect to whatever level of peace and joy and happiness that we have available to us but it's not here and it's not in what we eat and it's not in what we own and it's not in what we do it is always within and it is always through our innermost and the innermost of our innermost the innermost intimate Christ through humility through surrender and once again acceptance and allowance to surrender to our innermost is as important or if not more important to be as it is acceptance of the circumstances around us because how can we be the flexible palm tree in the storm if we do not accept what our true self prescribes to us our destiny that purpose for which we were born the purpose for which we exist So this allowing, this accepting works both ways. And when we feel into that, especially in meditation, just recognize the weight which is lifted from your shoulders when your task, your work as a vessel as a vehicle is to let go and let God just 
have to allow surrender to the moment. There's a peace in that, isn't there? That's for you to explore and answer for yourself. Roy says, if we wish to acquire the right kind of knowledge, we must change ourselves. With the development of our being, we can find a higher state of consciousness. Change of knowledge comes from change of being. Knowledge in itself is nothing. We must first have self-knowledge. and With the help of self-knowledge, we shall learn how to change ourselves. If we wish to change ourselves. That's P.D. Spensky. We'll come back to this in a moment. Seacat says, in the series Dope Sick, they make a comment that the Germans believe the only way to heal is through suffering. This doesn't just apply to overcoming drug addiction, but through the pains of life in general. It molds and shapes us. This relates directly to the Om of life, which whether it's whether you go to the gym to lift weights to build muscle, or you go run marathons, or you know go running to improve your cardiovascular fitness. Your, in other words, your physical body cannot improve without being exercised. Lifting weights literally tears muscle tissue. You may have heard the expression, feel the burn in the gym. No pain, no gain is another expression you may have heard. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Of course, we've mentioned that already. If that's true for the physical level, why wouldn't it be true for the metaphysical level? If you want to become a master at anything, you must be tested. And the first time you go through a test, the first time you are faced with a challenge, that's a new challenge, it's challenging. In fact, you might even fail. And failing hurts. Failure burns. It burns the ego, it burns pride. It burns lust, desire, fear. It burns. We burn with these egos and envy, perhaps, because we see somebody else overcoming that challenge with, with, with seemingly no difficulty. They make it look so easy. And we sit there and we stew and we watch them and say, why, why is it so easy for them? Why is it so difficult for me? So we burn with envy. We burn with fear. Am I not good enough? Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I don't deserve it. And in comes the self-loathing. And in comes the, the, the uh, self-sabotage. So 
then we try again. We work up the courage. We work up the intestinal fortitude. The guts to get back up on the horse. Whatever challenge we're talking about here. And we face our demons, our pride, our fear, our envy, our lust, our self-loathing, our envy. Some people face laziness. They're faced with a challenge and they say, oh, I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll get to it tomorrow. They procrastinate. And yes, it's laziness, but it's also fear. And the laziness is masking a secret fear. And you know that fear is the great chameleon. Fear is often behind many, many, many of our egos. Or, the, or, or we have to overcome this sense of self-worth. I'm not deserving. I'm not good enough. So we have that self-loathing, that self-sabotage of self-worth. In other words, the challenge that we face is not what we actually have to overcome. The challenge that we face is the medium. It's the, it's the way. It is the catalyst. for which we overcome the real obstacle, the real adversary, which is inside. Ask any athlete who has made it to the Olympics, who has made it to the podium, and they will tell you, They did not defeat anybody. They did not run or jump or swim or race or compete against anybody else. They arrived on that podium because the only adversary they had was themselves. Ask any mountain climber. It's not the mountain you climb. It's not the mountain you conquer. It's yourself. The mountain is just the catalyst that brings out the best and the worst in all of us. That is life. Now, how does one choose to climb that mountain? In frustration and anguish and anger and in, 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 in being wrapped up and, and overcome and overwhelmed by all this negative emotion? Or in peace, in equanimity, in joy, in happiness. 
because you can get up the mountain in both ways. You can enjoy the struggle or you can loathe the struggle. You can face the struggle with peace and joy and happiness or you can face it with 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 doubts and melancholy and 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 just suffering and of course realistically because we we live in these bodies and we live in these personalities and we live with these egos we are caught in the uh, on the 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 law of the pendulum so we swing back and forth between these two positions there are times when we have, are at peace and happiness and joy with it and then there are the, there's other times when we're just it's just too much it's just we're overwhelmed and we and you know we've talked about that how to deal with with these these extreme this extreme suffering we talked about the lighthouse and being in the middle of the storm and being in the lighthouse and not the boat and we've we've shared that in previous live streams but this really if we can bring it back to that metaphor of the mountain climber or the extreme athlete who let's face it or anybody mastering anything let's face it these people dedicate their lives to this to this work to this whatever it is that they're doing and it's easy for us to point our fingers in judgment and say well but what a frivolous meaningless thing is sport right and they're dedicating their lives to shaving one one hundredth of a second uh, one one hundredth of a second off of their time okay fair enough you might be able to say that and you might even have a point but but Many of these people do these activities because it's their passion. They love it. They love running. They love swimming. They love diving. They love ballet or gymnastics or, or music or whatever it is they're doing. And they there's something inside them that's moving them and pushing them to be the best at it. Rightly or wrongly, for better or for worse, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, if they are an athlete, they're not going to be doing that the rest of their life. No one is going to be an Olympic athlete their entire life. They cannot be because they're going to reach an age where they're going to grow out of it. And then they must become something else. But guaranteed that the strength of character, the strength of purpose, the strength of overcoming challenge, the, the comprehension and the ability to be in the middle of struggle, in the middle of suffering, in the middle of hardship, physical and psychological, and be at peace and joy and happiness and love the struggle and love the challenge and love the hardship, there is something that their consciousness is experiencing and that they're learning there's something that they are going to get from that experience that they will take with them the rest of their life and 
lifetimes in the future. They will take that experience with them as a valuable learning tool which you, you, you cannot learn from a book. You cannot learn from a scripture. No one knows what it means to climb a mountain but those who have climbed one. This is a fact. No one knows. You cannot know. I cannot know. Because I'm not a mountain climber. I don't know what it takes to become an Olympic gold medalist because I've never done it. The closest that I came to becoming an Olympian was in figure skating and my partner and I placed fourth at the Canadians. Had we placed one, had we, had we scored one place better, had we made third, we would have been going to the Worlds and, and possibly the Olympics. That's as close as I ever came. So I know a little bit about what I'm talking about here because I know a little bit about the dedication, the time, the effort, the energy, the discipline that goes into uh, a competitive sport. I also know that if you do not love it, it makes it very, 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 very difficult. Very difficult. It makes it far, far more difficult if you don't love it. You need to love it. You need to revel in it. It doesn't mean that you, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have days when you don't want to do it. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have days when you're in pain and suffering and struggling and you're like, "Oh gosh, why do I why did I ever choose this path?" what, you know, because we're only human. Seacat says, the pendulum swings less drastically, I believe, once we are more accepting of the suffering that comes out our way. Not that we become numb emotionally, but we become stronger mentally. She says, I used to fall apart at every adversity. So, the way we describe this is... Make no mistake, the pendulum will swing. But if we can visualize for a moment, do we have something that can work as a pendulum? Oh, perhaps we do. Okay. So you see this? This is just a USB stick. Um, but for our purposes, we're going to call this our pendulum. And we're going to swing this back and forth. This is life, and this is our ego personality this is our our body um you know our emotions our mind as they are you know with ego as the circumstances of our life knocks us around bats us around like a cat playing with a mouse you can see that the pendulum is going to swing right the pendulum is going to swing that's the law of the pendulum the law of mechanical nature the pendulum must swing according to the laws of mechanical nature. 
There's no stopping it, right? The pendulum will swing. But what if we do not identify with the weight, with the weightiness, with the solidity, with the materialness, with the mechanicity? What if we move our consciousness, our awareness, our self-knowledge up to the still point of being? Now what happens? The pendulum can swing but we are here witnessing and watching the pendulum swing. But we up here, we are still, we are calm, we are at peace because we are at the still point. So everything can happen to our physical body, all kinds of craziness can be happening in our mind. The calm and the, the 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 calm within the storm. Yes, of course, the calm within the storm. And as we like to, the example that we like to use, Sea um, Cat. This example of the pendulum that we're using is just another way of expressing the lighthouse. In the middle of the storm, it is the lighthouse that gets the captain through the storm. But if it's possible to not even be in the boat and instead shift your consciousness, your sense of beingness, your sense of your, your very beingness from the boat to the lighthouse and you shine the light of the lighthouse the light of consciousness on the boat you can watch the empty boat as it's being tossed and turned through the storm while you are safe and sound in the lighthouse knowing that your true nature is the light and that you are the keeper of the light you have the ability to focus the, the the light of consciousness so here you are at the still point of the lighthouse and the pendulum is being batted around so this is the key as we've said before, how to deal with depression and stress and anxiety. But more importantly, it's also the key to peace, happiness, and joy. Because the storm is coming. You cannot stop the storm. No one can stop the storms. 
We have to go through that. And you don't want to stop the storms. But recognizing that we can revel in the storm. As the mountain climber revels in the struggle and the challenge of, of climbing the mountain. As the athlete revels in the struggle and challenge of making it to the podium or the tennis player or the who you know or the concert pianist who develops repetitive stress injury in their in their hands and their wrists out of practicing And somehow it's just, but they love it and all of that. So let's, we, we promised that we would talk about some, some practical examples. Have you ever heard of uh, someone named Beethoven? Beethoven, the master of music for this planet. Beethoven who chose a path where he would become if not one if not one of the greatest the greatest musicians of all time and he was slowly going deaf to the point where by the time he wrote the Ninth Symphony, by the time he wrote and presented the Ninth Symphony, he was stone deaf. He had to be turned around to see the reaction of the audience upon the completion of its first public performance because he could not hear the response, the cheers, and the applause of the audience who had just heard the greatest symphony ever performed. And he didn't know it because he, was, he couldn't hear them. He, he was assisting the conductor. He couldn't actually conduct because he was stone deaf, but he was assisting the conductor in whatever that entails. We're not, a we're not a musician, so we can't tell you. But um, there's one practical example. Imagine, imagine coming here destined to produce a body of work as Beethoven did with such a handicap and yet achieving all that Beethoven achieved in spite of that handicap. And perhaps because of the handicap, it's worthwhile, it's worthwhile meditating on our life, our shortcomings, our obstacles, 
that which has been denied to us and that which we have achieved or that which we have done in spite of that which has been denied us, that which has been opposed to opposing us, that which has been our, the obstacles to us in achieving whatever it is that we feel in our heart we are here to do or we're here to achieve. And being grateful, finding peace, making peace with that, and finding the gratitude within that peace. And then expanding it out and saying, well, if I can make peace with that, and I can find within that peace the gratitude for that, then surely, surely, somewhere in there, there's joy for me to connect with. Because if I can be at peace with something, and I can be grateful for something, then surely the journey of that, there's joy and happiness to be had, to be extracted from that experience. Here we see that peace, joy, happiness, gratitude, these are always there. But they belong to the light. They belong to the Christ. They're the nature of the Christ. They're the nature of love. Because love is severity and mercy. So that which we are seeking peace and gratitude and joy and happiness for, the external obstacles or internal obstacles, the adversary, also comes from that place of love because that is the exercise, that is the obstacle, that is the catalyst for us to become and grow and achieve to be, in other words. Another example. We talked about Beethoven. Another example. What about Christ? Jesus Christ. What about his achievement? What about his obstacle? What about his journey? What about his suffering? his sacrifice, his struggle. Surely, anyone who is serious about the spiritual journey should take some time and look into the details around the crucifixion. 
Now, you may or may not be a fan of Mel Gibson, but we do recommend of his various different films. The one that we recommend from this perspective, there's actually more than one film of his that we can recommend, I mean, wholeheartedly, but for the specific For the specific um, topic that we're discussing now, the film that we recommend is The Passion of the Christ. And we recommend this film because it brings to life in a visceral way, in a way that if you, especially if you're empathetic, you will feel, you will feel it in, in, in to some degree. And it's not easy to watch. In fact, we're, you know, you may not have signed up to to see that on this live stream, so we'll we'll cut it off. Um, but if you need inspiration, yeah, the film is called The Passion of the Christ. Roy. Um, and by the way it's worthwhile diving into that why is it called the passion of the christ well and the 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 church even calls plays reenactments of the crucifixion you know they have the the the, uh, the 13 stages of the cross um they refer to that as a passion play passion what passion is is that which we are willing to suffer and die for. That is what passion is. When you are passionate about something, passion is not what Harlequin romance novels and what Hollywood wants us to believe and what car companies and, and marketing firms want us to believe passion is. Things that we really, really, really like. Oh, I'm really passionate about this or that. No, 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 no. No, no. If you are not willing to suffer and sacrifice and die for it, it's not passion. That's what passion is. That's why we call it the passion of the Christ. The passion of the Christ is embodied in the crucifixion. Because Jesus came to play out that drama that cosmic drama to suffer and die for humanity. 
That is the path of the Bodhisattva. And Jesus is the master of masters on this planet. Jesus played that drama out in a way that no other human being has. Because, and this is something that perhaps Mel Gibson doesn't get wholly accurate, but Jesus was able to undergo the crucifixion with equanimity. He was able to endure all of this suffering in relative peace and calm. He came here to do this work. He came here to go through this. To go through, to, to, to be crucified. And, and if you want to know what that might have been like, to really know what he went through, Mel Gibson attempts to show us that. To give us a window a time machine to go back and be there and be present. And in his visceral, brutal way, try to show us and give us a little taste of what it might have been like, of what Jesus might have endured. To illustrate for us the depths and the scope of the passion of the Christ. Master Samael and Mayor said, there is nothing as beautiful as a life intensely lived. We have been accused of many things in our life, but one thing that we were often accused of over and over again is how we are way too intense that we there's an intensity about us that that rubs people the wrong way for better or for worse for richer or for poorer when people accused us of that we didn't argue we didn't rationalize, we didn't justify, we didn't try to explain how could we. But one thing that we didn't do is shy away from or deny or reject the intensity that comes from within us. Because long before we ever heard those words of Master Samuel, we knew that the fire of fires and the light of lights has an intensity to it and about it. Which is not reflected in the false gurus of today. And you can see that, you can hear it. It's missing, it's not there when they speak. It's, it's, it's absent from their 
their their pantomime theirs is not a cosmic drama theirs is a farce this is passion this is passion don't ever forget it the same imagine the struggle and the suffering of beethoven writing his music when he's stone deaf he has to trust he has to put his faith and trust in his innermost in the christ in his innermost intimate christ that the music of the heavens that he can only hear in his head and that he can only see and imagine in his head as he's writing the notes, scribbling the notes on the paper. He has to have the, the, the faith, the, the knowledge of experience, the self-evident experiential knowledge that it's going to be perfect and sound perfect. Imagine the faith that one has to have to go through a crucifixion. Imagine the passion that one has to be able to go through that. And then imagine that in the midst of that passion, in the midst of that suffering and sacrifice, in that intensity, that intense experience, one can be at peace one can be grateful one can have joy and one can be happy One can go through hell and not be touched by it. But to shine in spite of it, and not just in spite of it, but because of it. Because after Christ dies on the cross. He descends into hell. And what does he do there? He saves souls. He liberates monads trapped in hell. He goes into hell and he teaches and he preaches. He brings the light of the lighthouse down into the storm and he begins freeing and liberating souls trapped in hell now can somebody free souls if someone is angry or frustrated 
or anxious or depressed or stressed. But if one has inner peace, Good night, Adam. Thank you for joining us, as always. We're going to be wrapping up in a few minutes anyway. We don't think we're going to go three hours tonight. We're going to wrap it up in, in, a, in, a, in a few minutes. So let's bring it all the way back to the beginning. How do we achieve this? this state within ourselves? How do we manage this? Meditation is key to practice. And self-observation in the moment is key. And the transformation of impressions. So that when the fear, when the anger, when the frustration arises in us, and when the thoughts start raging and storming within us. Remember, the storm outside is going to be reflected in the storm inside. As we said, the pendulum is going to swing, right? The pendulum is going to, the, the, the law of the pendulum, the pendulum is going to swing. When, it's, when it gets batted around, it's going to swing. But if we can be here, if we can be here, observing the pendulum, right? This is the lighthouse. We're shining a light. We're just watching the pendulum swing. That includes the pendulum in our mind, the pendulum in our heart, the pendulum in our body. We can watch ourselves raging, our mind wanting to rage, our mind wanting to raise our fist and throw the fist and break something and yell and scream. We can watch all that and just let it go. And that's why that meditation that we did with you that one Friday, we believe, I think it was Friday, where we practice psychological judo in the meditation. You watch that thought come up, and then you, you recognize it, and then you let it go. You, you, you allow things to arise, you observe them, you call them out for what it is, and then you let it pass. Psychological judo. If you practice this in meditation and you allow the, the just the thoughts to come and go and come and go and come and go and you patience, patience, infinite patience with yourself. And just practice the thoughts come and they go and come and they go and come and they go and slowly, 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 the crazy, busy, hectic, stormy, busy mind slowly it settles and settles and settles and settles and settles and settles. And finally, you'll reach that place, that calm, the place of equanimity, of peace. Then real meditation can begin. From that place, from that space, you'll have a like a mountain lake, perfectly calm, that can mirror the heavens. And onto that mirror can be reflected everything that we need to know. For example, 
how we need to respond in the moment. But also, we can reflect on that perfectly calm, perfectly clear, perfectly reflective surface. We can observe and analyze all of our egos, the causes of our suffering, the causes of that crazy, busy mind. So as we were practicing our psychological judo, if we were recognizing, oh, okay, there's this recurring thought, okay, and that's fear behind that, okay, so let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. But every time a fear-related thought comes up, we can recognize it, let it go, let it go. When we finally get down and settle down the mind, we can then use that place of equanimity now to analyze that fear. Analyze those thoughts and that fear and just replay. Where was that coming from? What is, that, what is the nature of that fear? And observe that fear in the mirror of that perfect reflection because that mirror can reflect the knowledge of the heavens. Truth, objective reality can be reflected in that mirror. So if we place our fear now as the object of the analysis, of the conscious analysis, the truth of it, the objective reality of it, can be reflected in the mirror. It's like when you use two mirrors to see behind your head, to see the backside of your head, which you normally can't see, but you will use a mirror on the front and the mirror in the back. That's what meditation can do, just to reveal that which is hidden. So this practice of meditation, if we practice it and work with it, we can bring it into our life and our moment by moment as we're going through, as we are observing ourselves. And we can use it so that when we are in the middle of the storm and observing ourselves, we can watch things arise and let them go. And we can learn to be be at peace, and be one with the source of joy and the source of happiness within us, and revel in it. Like the mountain climber climbing the mountain, like the Olympic skier or swimmer, it's a challenge. It is a challenge. No doubt about it. Nobody wants to take that away from you. But it's a challenge on some level that we chose. And remember that even if we didn't choose it, even if we're just here returning, take our word for it, there are countless beings who have chosen to be here now in the middle of all this hellish reality that's only going to be getting worse 
in the Kali Yuga of this humanity. So reflect on that. Put yourself in the shoes of a being. Why would someone want to come here now and be in the middle of this all now? And if they chose to come here and be in the middle of it now, what do they know that I don't? What are they doing that I'm not doing? And is it possible that they can be reveling in all of this? And should I be reveling in it as well? Not reveling in people's suffering. Certainly not. We don't have to revel in other people's suffering. But revel in what that suffering and sacrifice means in terms of passion. What might become of it? The monads who are going through that suffering and sacrifice. How might they be growing? How might they be evolving? And how are, is our monad evolving? How are we making use of that suffering and sacrifice? Are we learning? Are we practicing that equanimity that the Christ had, that Beethoven had? To not just succeed in their destiny in spite of their suffering, but because of it. To have passion and intensity and drive forth moment by moment to be and be done and allow to ourselves to be done. Allow destiny to take shape and to take flight through us. It is possible. This is not this is not out there. This is very practical. But it's down to earth in here. It's not out there, it's in here. On a uh, practical note, just to wrap up, we want to wrap up where we began. And we began with showing images of these anomalies which have been photographed under microscopes, anomalies which have been appearing in the blood of individuals who have gotten the, the jab. What has been revealed to us is that this serum, this anti-plague serum, this so-called remedy, which governments and the media is coercing everyone to get. But only those who are afraid are getting it. Those who intuitively know that there's nothing to fear from the so-called Wuhan flu, COVID-19, there's nothing to fear. Those who intuitively know that there's something fishy and not right about the so-called health serum that they are injecting people with, they're not getting it. There are many, many, many people who are not getting it. But those people who are getting it, those people are the ones who are afraid because they believe what the media tells them. They believe what their governments tell them. They're afraid of getting sick. They're afraid of dying. They're afraid of death. They want to be able to travel. 
they want to be able to go to restaurants they want to be able to go out they would they 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 don't want to be ostracized they don't want to be left out they want to be part of the crowd right they want to be just like everybody else they want to conform they want to obey they want their comfort and security they want they want things to go back to normal or they want to accept this new normal and they're willing to accept it just as long as they can continue on with the same old same old life the same old things the same old way okay these individuals are not equipped with the capacity that we have been talking about here tonight these individuals are seeking to acquire peace joy and happiness from outside of themselves they need they need travel they need uh, a delicious meal they need friends they need socializing they need entertainments they need money they need things and they need comfort and security before they can feel at peace and 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 joy and happiness they need to be surrounded by their family their children their pets their friends they need to have things back to normal they need to have their accomplishments they need to have their job they need to have their they need to have all this stuff they need to have their little world and be in control of it or they need to feel as though they are in control of their little world they are not equipped with what we have been talking about here tonight that's why at the first sign of mental illness and first sign of stress or depression where they go and they medicate themselves they go and they see a, a psychologist and they, they're happy to get pills from the psychologist for themselves or their children or their husband or their wife because they just want everything to be back to normal, back to nominal. How will such individuals face what is coming? How will such individuals be able to cope with what is coming over the horizon? The destruction of humanity. They cannot cope. They're not equipped. They don't have the capacity. So, love is severity and mercy. Just as Rudolf Steiner. Uh, foresaw the Black Lodge mechanical nature which works for mechanical nature has created a serum which contains 
the equivalent of nanobots, <coughs> which will make people more machine-like, more zombie-like, more numb, in other words. And or if you believe the conspiracies around the elites and this is a massive depopulation program, then what you are looking at is some sort of entity which will be set into activity probably using 5G or some other, some other trigger which will put it into activity which will cause the euthanization of those who have received it. And we use that word specifically. What was revealed to us about the serum is that this the, the, the whole reason why the entire program has been a massive psychological operation based around fear is so that this is the way this is a way that mechanical nature can weed out all of the all of humanity which is ruled by fear and completely possessed by fear because they will not they will not endure the Kali Yuga. If these people are so deathly afraid of catching a cold and dying of a of a of a, a respiratory illness, how are they going to endure the destruction of humanity? How are they going to face that? They can't. They won't. They'll go mad. They will suffer in ways that we can't begin to imagine. So, for them, the Black Lodge has devised a serum which will either euthanize or anesthetize them, as Rudolf Steiner predicted. Either they will be eliminated, euthanized, or they will be become so unconscious, so zombie-like, so out of it, that they won't even realize what's going on. And combined with what the, the mainstream media can do and other manipulations, whatever, they can they can become they can remain oblivious. And so they're like, so it's like anesthetic, right? So they don't they don't feel what's happening to them as it's happening. They won't they won't feel the destruction of humanity as it's taking place. They'll believe whatever they believe, or you know, whatever. However, the specifics of that anesthetization works, but clearly what they will be is detached from their consciousness. And they will live in whatever world is created for them mechanically they'll be living just in their own little world and their own little ego so by the time they realize what's going on it'll be too late and they will not have suffered it's just, it's it's mercy it's severity but it's also mercy And it's both of these two things, anesthetization, uh, euthanization, and anesthetization, 
is happening simultaneously with this with this so-called health serum for a non-existent plague because it's non-existent it doesn't exist not in the way that the, the plague doesn't exist the pandemic is not there is no pandemic But I mean, again, but that is the test. That was the test. And all those who fell for it out of fear, they're the ones who are being euthanized and anesthetized because it's because of, it's because of that. Because with that, with that level of fear, with that level, level of paranoia, they would go absolutely mad. They would suffer so much with what's coming. So they can't be around. The rest of us will be around. And will we take the advantage of talks like tonight and, to, and practices like psychological judo, practices like the lighthouse, practices like learning how to reposition ourselves in relation to the pendulum in order to find peace and joy and happiness and gratitude in spite of and not in not just in spite of but because of everything that's happening around us this is our test this is our challenge not to find a source of salvation from outside but to seek self-evident experiential knowledge of the only true salvation within within each and every one of us and that's a journey that each and every one of us have to take for ourselves. Um, on a practical note, Liz, um, you may take some solace in knowing that not all the jabs have been um, at full potency. And also that there have been many doctors that have been giving uh, vitamin C injections. There have been many, many doctors, many people in the medical field have been um, dis disobeying because they know, right? So they haven't been injecting people. Um, so um, there's, there is hope. There is hope. And remember that, I mean, karma matters. So... Um, there is there is still hope but then again you have to ask yourself well you know if they really wanted the jab if they're really afraid of catching a cold um then do i really want them to be around to face what's coming again only you know this and only they know this and if they're not doing this kind of work, the work that we're here doing here tonight, if they're not engaged in this sort of self-awareness, self-analysis, self-exploration and self-realization, then it may be better for them, you know, not to be around, to face what we're about to face. And that's just the, the the hard truth of it. Um, lastly, I think we'll 
uh, Roy said new normal is like hypnosis are they hypnotized by media watching TV always on air new normal yes that's right um, and while humanity is asleep the thing is is that just because humanity is asleep doesn't mean that it's immune from experiencing nightmares and what we are facing i mean this like let let's be honest this is the stuff of nightmares this is the stuff of nightmares this is the the most fearsome adversary ever imagined or ever envi ever envisioned on uh on on in the universe of star trek was the borg this unstoppable heartless soulless machine hive mind uh, entity which just goes around just infecting humanities and just completely assimilating entire worlds it couldn't be reasoned with it couldn't be bargained with it, it was it was just this it was it was it, it's truly the stuff of nightmares the stuff of science fiction here it is here it is So humanity may be asleep, but that doesn't mean we're immune from having nightmares and experiencing nightmares. When we do, we are in hell. That's why we that's why we gave this live stream the title that we did. Originally we were going to call it uh, uh, peace, joy, and happiness in the Kali Yuga, but then we said, no, you know what? We're beyond that now. We have to we have to be. A little more honest with everyone. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest when we look out into the world. We have to be honest when we look at the evidence before our, our, our eyes. We are now living in the stuff of science fiction. George Orwell, Brave New World, Clockwork Orange... <laughs> And and now here we are with Star Trek and the Borg, Terminator, The Matrix, all of these things, all of these things, were foreshadowing reality. They were all in symbol and allegory. Were were preparing us and warning us. And here we are. Now, can we, with that knowledge, face all of that as a true hero does? We are the heroes of our own story. And as you know, the hero must descend into the labyrinth and defeat the demons there, but that's inside of us. So everything that's, all the demons that are coming up and reacting to things like this, right? And, and wants to react with fear and anger and frustration and all these, we have to face those demons and conquer them. And then... We can have that equanimity.
and that joy and that happiness. And recognize the opportunity to do this work. Does anyone have any questions or comments? Because if not, we want to thank everyone for joining us as always. History or her story, maybe is what you meant. His story, her story. Thank you for uh, joining us. Thank you for being here. Uh, hopefully we'll um, suffice it to say there is a situation with a family member of ours, which was the cause of us having to cancel a couple live streams. Um, this individual's uh, health is um, is is deteriorating, and um, should should he find himself back in hospital, um, we we may we may have to. We're not we're not saying so yet, but um, we'll we'll we will try to let you know as soon as we can. But everything is everything is sort of on. Everything is sort of day by day at the moment. And um, so um, we, we appreciate your patience uh, and your understanding in this matter. If, if we do have to cancel sort of last minute here and there or, um, or that we're not giving 20, 24 hours notice um, because we, we don't want to advertise and then cancel we don't want to do that either um so at the moment everything is sort of day by day moment by moment and um thank you all uh thank you all so much for your uh, kind words and for being here uh liz asked a question here is there any kind of a timeline for things um, there is, but it's, it's complicated and perhaps it is, it'll be worthwhile for us to get into some of that um, in, a, in a future live stream. Some of that has been forthcoming to us. Some of it has been revealed to us, but some of it is still a little foggy, which there, we are operating on a, on a sort of, there's a, a microcosmic timeline that needs to happen first and then the the grander the revelation of the grander scheme um, will will follow afterwards so 
we're going to have to ask you for some patience in reference to wanting to be prepared do the work on yourself you don't need to worry about any sort of other preparations because the defining factor is going to be your state of being your state of consciousness and rest assured we have shared with others aspects of the atlas project um, and we have there are other live streams that you can download on youtube where we've discussed some of these aspects um, we are we are an arc builder and that that entails everything that it sounds like um, so Now, why is this not? Uh, we're trying to pull something up here. Oh, here it is. Okay. So, if we show if we show this, um, this is a high order high order indoor rainforest ecosystem and a community, which is of living spaces built around it. This is a, a part of the Atlas project called Peapod Life. This can be built on a platform which is both earthquake proof and which floats. We are on the verge on the cusp of having this particular um, project financed to have the first one being built here in Canada and as you know Canada North America is Turtle Island and if you know about the prophecies of the uh, the native North Americans you know about the prophecy of Turtle Island so but we're a few years out yet um 2030 is a date which has been revealed to us and as it relates to our work with the atlas project it gives us nine years to be able to make much of what we're doing come to come to the fore but there's other aspects and there's other elements at play as well there's a lot to the atlas project and you can read more about it or see you can read more about it at um we're going to give you the link here oops
Ah. That's what we get for trying to do things. Uh, There's something else that we can show you, which, um, again, we've revealed in um, in other live streams. So the the when is a difficult question because it's more about the what. Because uh, we uh, it gave us an error sharing it with Facebook. Anyway, um, the link is theatlasproject.com. We shared this in one of our previous live streams. And it's basically, well, it's the Atlas Project, but this is the metaphysical or or esoteric explanation of the Archeon. Now, Arc or Arch and all of these seven elements, seven aspects. So the what is a very, this is all a very, very, very big topic. And the when is difficult because the when is not set in stone. It's flexible. And all we can say is that this humanity has been given more time. The great war has been postponed. It's being held back. The, 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 the Brotherhood of the White Lodge is holding back the tide, trying to give us more time and give humanity more time so that more of us can awaken, so that more of us can have a chance to self-realize, uh, self so that more of us will go inside the ark. And let's just say that the Black Lodge is doing its work well, you know, and this humanity is, it's tough. It's, it's tough going. So we appreciate you asking the question and we understand where the question is coming from. And it would be so easy for us just to give you an, a quick and easy and trite answer. But we, we have to be honest. Um, we have to be honest. And we, yes, humanity has been given more time, but we have to, you have to understand and appreciate that we have already been given more time. We are into extra time already. Many prophecies, you know, if you study prophecy, many prophecies 
foretold the end of days already happening. And we're past that now. Just be aware that we're on borrowed time at this point. We're certainly aware of it. And that's why we look at all of this. We look at this visual aid. We look at this map here. And we look at all that we are here to do and all that we must achieve and all that we must accomplish. And we're almost 50 years old. We've probably spent more than half of our life already just preparing to do this work. But 2030 is only nine years away, so nine years is not a long time. It's not a long time. If, if you're interested, um, we, can, we can dedicate another live stream to this. Um, we can de dedicate another live stream to this. And maybe we'll do so on Friday. We'll see how things go. We'll see how things go with my family member and and uh, their health situation. Um, we haven't been exactly in the best place because of that situation. I mean, we've been doing our best and to accept. <laughs> it's hard, right? It's hard. It's hard. It's not it's not easy. Our our mother passed away two years ago, more than two years ago now. And now it's our father and, and um, well, it is what it is. We'll see. We'll see. Because if this, I mean, we're going to have a lot of practical things that, you know, are going to roll out of this if, if things go the way they might. And just a lot of things will change very, very rapidly, very rapidly. Um, but again, we'll see. Thank you all once again for, um, for joining us. And as always, be well. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on Friday. And remember, if you found this valuable, if you think there's something of value here, remember to share it with others. Um, if you can go onto Facebook and give us a like and a share there, uh, that helps. We know that this is never going to be a popular channel or a popular series. It's not for everyone. We understand that. But the more, the more seeds we can put in the ark, the better. So thank you all and have a wonderful evening. Hopefully we'll see you on Friday.